Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Today's episode is brought to us by our long-standing sponsor, Ministry Grid. Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start with volunteer training? Or if you do, it's hard to get everyone in the same place at the same time. That has never been as true as it has been in 2020. You need an online solution for training volunteers. Well, Ministry Grid makes it super simple to train every volunteer and leader in your church with a library of over 3,500 volunteers and over 850 courses. You will find training for every single ministry in your church at every leadership level. Listen, now is the time for you to take action and learn more about Ministry Grid and add it to your ministry. You can customize it so much. You can not only take their videos, but you can add videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and so much more to get unlimited access to Ministry Grid. It is just, this is crazy, $597. Just go to ministrygrid.com forward slash unseminary. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com forward slash unseminary. All right, let's get on with today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in today. You know, every week we bring you a different church leader to help you dive into issues that you're facing at your church and today is no exception. You're going to love today's conversation. Uh, we've got Jacob Bergai with us. He's from Fuel Church. This is a fantastic church. Uh, it launched just in 2016. They've got two locations. It was one of the fastest growing churches in the country. Pastor Jacob, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Rich. Excited to be here today. No, I'm so glad that we get a chance to chat for a little bit, reconnect. Like we were just saying, we both were in Jersey for a while. And so Jesus loves Jersey. And so it's always good to connect with the uh, the Jersey diaspora. So <laughs> it's good. Definitely. Why don't we start with telling us about Fuel, kind of giving us a bit of the story, you know, give us a sense of kind of what's, you know, what's been happening at Fuel. Yeah, sure, Rich. Well, um, as you said, I was out in Jersey for eight years, um, uh, pastoring there helping Pastor David DeMole at Faith Fellowship Ministries. And just what an mm-hmm. honor to serve uh, that congregation and that community. And then we really felt strong that there was a church in us, my wife and I, and uh, uh, felt like uh, it was time to come back home. Um, we're both from Indiana. My wife's from South Bend, Indiana. Go Notre Dame. And uh, <laughs> nice. I am from Kokomo, Indiana. And uh, came back after being in Jersey for eight years, uh, previous Jersey. We were uh, youth pastoring for eight years as well underneath my father, who had a church in Indiana. And uh, came back here to launch Fuel Church, and um, we launched that in 2016. My dad was at a time in his life and ministry where he felt it was time for him to uh, retire and um he handed the baton to us and then we went through uh, about a year process of uh, just renovating and, and just really relaunching the church uh, to Fuel Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm thankful for that foundation of mom and dad for 27 years. They were faithful in this community. And I, I always say that we stand on their shoulders and, and we wouldn't be seeing what the revival that we've been in for five years if it wasn't for mom and dad's faithfulness to persevere, just keep giving people Jesus through those those years. And so 
beautiful thing is, this is a family thing. Both my brothers uh, serve with me. My parents are mm. still cheering me on on the front row. And so that's pretty cool. They call me their pastor now. It's kind of weird, but yeah, that is cool. Um, you know, my wife and, and, and I both on staff here. And, uh, so it's kind of a family affair and, uh, it works out, you know, family is, is family, you know? And so we argue hard and, and, uh, we go hard, but we, we keep one thing central. And my brothers and I have had this conversation a lot because we can have some tense moments of fellowship, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> sure, sure. And that's the mission. That's the mission that we're called to. And uh, we keep that in the forefront because it's challenging to work with family. It really is. Yeah, um, I, I talked to a lot of pastors. They're just like, I could never work, work with my brother right. or even my <laughs> spouse, you know? Yes. And so Tara and I have worked together for 20 years. We've been married 20 years and we've worked together in ministry full time for 20 years. So yeah, that's so cool. My my brother's also in ministry, and it, it's great. Uh, I think I would be more in that category of friends that you were saying there. I'm like, hey, I love them dearly. Yeah, and uh, and it's fun to talk shop. I do love that, and and obviously we try to find ways to support each other. But I but uh, I can imagine that there would be, uh, you know, some tension there. You know, working together as a family. That's that's cool. I love that though. That's really great that to hear all that. That's. That's cool to hear. Why fuel? Why that? Why that name? I'd love to hear kind of the genesis of that. Yeah, sure. Well, out in Jersey, we had a conference called Fuel Conference uh, that we that was birthed there um, in the youth and young adult ministry. We were overseeing there at Faith Fellowship, and uh, mm-hmm. and it, it really was a tri-state conference. Really drew a lot of New York people, and and uh, really God put that vision in us uh, to fuel up young people, and so. Um, you know, he connected me with just some great youth and young adult pastors in the New York, New Jersey area. And I got together with about 10 of them. I said, Hey guys, you know, this is what I feel God is doing. And they're like, we're with you. Let's do it. This conference started off and, um, you know, it grew and grew to over 3000 youth and young adults mm-hmm. at its final, final year. And so it was just a beautiful expression of, of, of just the diversity of the region um, and, and just, we would bring in different bands and hip hop groups and speakers and put on a two day conference for the tri-state. And, and so hence the name came from that, uh, we were getting ready to move back. And I said, God, I, I remember I was driving. I said, God, I don't know what this, the name of this church is to be. And, uh, I really felt him say, I already gave you the name. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you gave me the name of a conference uh, to to hold in these last six, seven years. And he yeah. said, no, um, too many of my people are running on empty. And I've called you to fuel uh, them wow. up. And, uh, wow. and that was it for us. Fuel Church, it was kind of weird at first. Like, I was like, man, are people going to accept this name? Like, does this sound weird? Like, no, I think it's, it's great. Like a gas station. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so, great. Uh, I don't know. We just, we, we landed on it. People, there was a few people like, oh, it's not a real good church name. I was like, listen, I don't, I, I didn't ask you for the <laughs> the vote, but I, I really felt God placed that in our hearts. And, and he said, there's so many of my children who are serving me that are on empty and so many of my lost kids that are on empty. And I want you to fill them up with two main things. He gave mm-hmm. us two words that we hang our hat on and that's grace and hope. Mm-hmm. Grace and hope. People need grace for their yesterday and they need hope for their tomorrow. 
That's very cool. Great stuff. Well, you guys have seen tremendous growth over the last number of years. Can you kind of tell us a story from that perspective? Where where have things gone in the last four or five years? Yeah, so we just celebrated uh, five years, May 31st of this year. Nice. And so it was car- kind of hard to celebrate being in quarantine. <laughs> but praise yes, God, yeah. we did a little celebration online. And then in the fall of this year, our hopes are to have a big uh, celebration. But um yeah, five years, man. It, it went by so fast. I, I, I really can't even believe all that God has done. Uh, we never set out to build a big church. We just set out to build big people. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, we were never focused on, man, if we get to this number, that number, right, 500 right, right. or 1,000, you know, that would be awesome, you know. Yeah. Um, we really, we really just fell in love with our community and, and really mm-hmm. found a uh, really the biggest need in our community, I believe. And uh, I attribute a, that really to uh, our rapid growth we've seen. We, we started with about 85 people mm-hmm. uh, five years ago and um, took those 85 and just built the culture in them and just um, trained them. And uh, man, we just ran with it. And uh, man, every year it's just continued to grow. You know, we've added mm-hmm. our second campus last year. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just a cool thing to be a part of, you know? That's cool. Well, I, I know, you know, as churches grow, one of the pinch points always seems to be the, um, finding, uh, you know, placing volunteers, getting them plugged in, getting them excited, keeping them focused. Um, what have you been learning on that front? How have you um, really been, you know, able to kind of scale up over these years on the the volunteer volunteer side, particularly? Yeah, well, it's it's always a need in every church, I believe. Uh, you, I, I've never met a pastor who said, "Man, I just have too many volunteers right now." Um, <laughs> true, true. I told exactly. my people stop volunteering. You know, so yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And so it, it's something that. Um, we're really big on, we, we call them our dream team because they are helping fulfill the dream that, that God has placed over this house. And, uh, and so, man, I think culture is, is really big. Um, mm-hmm. you don't create culture, you are the culture. And if it doesn't come mm. from myself and my wife and, you know, my brothers and the leadership, um, you know, I, we've all heard it said, but it's more caught than taught. Yep. And, um, you know, People want to be a part of something that is life-giving. Yep. And uh, when I say that, there may be people listening like, man, I'll, you know, I don't have that many people. No, you start where you're at. You start small. Right. You know, start we start with what you've got. Yeah. You start with what you got. You, when you're, when you're faithful with that. And uh, like I said, we were just faithful with, with what God had given us. And we just said, man, what would it be like to just impact this entire city? And, mm-hmm. um, Man, people were just attracted to the, the the vision that we laid out and the culture that 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 they were feeling and seeing, and they caught they caught it, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so now we have four hundred and seventy people on the dream team. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, wow, that served. That's incredible. Yeah, so we're. I mean, I would have never imagined that, man. When our church was right. like, you know, a couple hundred, if you'd have told me, hey, you're gonna have four hundred and seventy people serving actively, I'm like whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. But um, yeah, I think that that culture is a big deal and, and really clarifying your vision. Like what is the touchdown? Like what it, what is, 
how do we know that we win? Like, what is our mm-hmm. win for Fuel Church? And every church has got to have that. Like, what is your right. wins? And mm-hmm. when you when you identify those wins, you celebrate those wins continually. Because mm-hmm. what you don't celebrate will eventually lead your life. And so mm-hmm. every meeting, every staff meeting, every team leader meeting, every elder meeting, the first thing we do is celebrate the wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I want to remind those people, this is not just Jacob winning. This is you. Right. You know, um, I love what Paul said in first Corinthians three, eight, nine, uh, there's one who plants and one who waters and they work mm-hmm. together with the same purpose mm-hmm. and both will be rewarded for their hard work for both are God's workers in God's field and are building God's house. And mm-hmm. I think that's so important that, you know, every part is, is so important to the body functioning, flourishing, growing, and continuing to be a life-giving church to our community. What, what is that? So I love that even just practical takeaway around, um, hey, we're going to celebrate every time we're together. What, what would be some examples of what that would look like? How does that, because uh, you know, I'm sure it takes on different forms, but what, sure. what would that look like, celebrating life change, celebrating what God's doing in people's lives? Yeah. So Rich, the, the number that we celebrate is the number heaven records. Okay, in the scriptures, there's one number that heaven rejoices and throws an all out party over. And that is the number of people coming to Jesus Christ. And so that is foremost the number one thing we always celebrate. And mm-hmm. um, in, in five years, we have been honored and blessed to see over 6,000 people say yes to Jesus. That's amazing. And so um, we're making heaven a bigger place. And that's one of our our sayings. You know, we're here to make heaven a bigger place. And so uh, we we go big on that number. And uh, Mm -hmm. we talk about that number a lot. Uh, We Mm -hmm. update our people uh, very often on that number or how many people have come to Christ this week or this month or this year. And um, that gives people purpose. Like, I mean... I'm serving in the nursery, I'm changing diapers, or I'm teaching these kids, or I'm, I'm parking cars, or I, I, I'm, I'm doing the coffee. And it's, it's just not something small that I'm doing. No, I'm part of making heaven a bigger place. Mm-hmm. And so we celebrate that. We celebrate the number of first-time guests. That's important too, mm-hmm. um, to us. And um, we celebrate the number of people that have went through next steps. And, and that is kind yeah, of our, totally. our growth track process. And that's big to us, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, we celebrate kids and students and all, all down the road, you know? Uh, right. Absolutely. So, yeah. When, when, when you're thinking in this season around, you know, obviously we're in this, we were just talking before we went on, on the air, you know, you're, we're literally in this pivot as we're looking to kind of get um, you know, in-person services started again. You know, there's a lot of churches across the spectrum as they're listening on that. One of the issues that we're all facing, though, is this volunteer issue. How are we going to uh, motivate, uh, kind of re-engage, like you say, all those dream teamers, those 470, whatever the number you, uh, mm-hmm. you commented in this season, because we've gone through a season where, frankly, we have needed volunteers less but w- so what are you doing in this season to try to re-engage that group, to get them plugged back in, to see them, hey, like, you know, fired up for the mission again, if they've been maybe on the sideline for a bit? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the church at large has had a lot of dropouts, uh, unfortunately, during this season. Uh, I, I've seen people 
uh, grow stronger in their faith. And, and, and likewise, I've seen people, uh, you know, go backwards and, and, mm-hmm. and really struggle in their faith in this season. So mm-hmm. um, right now in Indiana, we're in the process uh, all of June. We, we kind of started the process of, of, of regathering. Um, we had a few outdoor uh, worship nights and those went great. And, and uh, then our small groups went back live in person uh, last week. And um, then tomorrow night I meet with all my team leaders and we start the new process of uh, relaunching church in our buildings. You know, we never quit having church. I, I, I joke, but I worked harder in the last 15 weeks than I have all yes. of my 20 years of ministry. <laughs> true. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we our church has just been an awesome support in our community to so many different uh, people. But. Um, yeah, we've started that process in June and just having mm-hmm. conversations with our leaders. And then at the same time, Rich, we're moving into a brand new building out of COVID-19. Yeah. So <laughs> great. Just to make things extra fun. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, we didn't have enough going on. So yeah, God was yeah, like, exactly. I'm going to give you a building during a pandemic. Um, wow. and so we, we, we were running five services pre COVID. We'll go down to two, which will help okay. us. Uh, yep. we have, uh, uh, double the square footage moving into our new building, which is awesome. Um, more than double actually. So, um, yeah. And, and so just, you know, firing up that engine of the dream team, um, our dream team coordinator, been on a lot of calls, just encouraging people and getting people plugged in and all that. Yeah. And then next week, um, all the team leaders will call their dream team and they meet at the new building, go over the new protocols and, and, and all that. So yeah, it, it feels kind of like you're relaunching something in a way, you know, because you've been away for three or four months now from, from in-person gatherings. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that I think is very much how we feel. It does have that kind of sense of like, Oh, we're starting over again. Um, and that, that's, uh, that's cool about the building piece of this kind of equation here. One of the things you mentioned, uh, as you were speaking earlier was this, this idea of kind of finding the biggest need in, um, in your community. How do you articulate that? What does that look like? Uh, what is that need? And how are you kind of meeting that as, uh, you know, as a church? Yeah, Rich, that's good. Um, you know, I, that first year we've seen some some slow numerical growth uh, within our church. But uh, going into year two, about halfway through, I think we really uh, zeroed in and hit the bullseye, if I could say that, of the need of our community. And it was very evident for us, and that was addiction. Mm-hmm. And, and so we had had one of the highest counties with overdose deaths in, in the state of Indiana. And um, I had done several funerals, and um, we had just said, man, there, there's got to be something that the church can do. Like, I know there's some great facilities for rehab and, and things like that. But, but where is the church's role in this? Because myself, I came out of a lifestyle of an addiction uh, before mm-hmm. I surrendered my life to Christ. And I know what it's like, you know, and I found freedom in Jesus. I didn't go to any, you know, 12 step program or, you know, a rehab place, but I truly found freedom in Christ. And I said, how, how can we offer something how can we mm-hmm. partner with what's going on? And so we just kind of started praying about that. 
And um, man, God just began to line things up for us. And uh, we started helping one person at a time. And I'll never forget it. We helped the first person. And um, we partnered with a faith-based rehabilitation center. And uh, we would send people there. It's a three-month program. And when they, when they get out of there, then we walk with them. We, uh, mm-hmm. we partner them up with a sponsor and they're helping them uh, get a job. They're helping them, you know, get on their feet with transportation and eventually housing. And, um, man, our, our church came alive at that. Our church just, mm-hmm. it exploded over this. And so uh, we, we said, hey, we're a church for broken people and we're a church for people who want to help broken people. And if you're in one or two of those categories, then man, let's fulfill this mission and let's help those in our community who are hurting and broken. And I, I've said it many times, I think most days I'm both. <laughs> I'm broken and I want to help broken people. Um, and so uh, that's really what we, about uh, two and a half years in, really zeroed in on that mission and uh, of being hope dealers. So we have a whole truck we, we tagged up, uh, wrapped it. It says your neighborhood hope dealer. And, <laughs> and it's like a big, uh, like a U-Haul truck. And uh, we, we wrapped it all. So we go out in the community and we do all kinds of outreaches with it and uh, deliver food and, and, and things like that and help out um, a lot of the homeless shelters in our community, also mm-hmm. the rehab facilities. And so we're kind of known in the community. Hey, that's the neighborhood hope dealers, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Love that. So. Well, and I love the the idea of rallying and it connects obviously with the volunteer piece, but rallying people to that cause and saying, Hey, there's a lot of different ways that we can get plugged in. And there's a bunch of different places that, you know, we can, we can join this mission and make a difference uh, in, in people's lives. Um, one of the things I, I've picked up on just as kind of you know, from a distance, watch fuel churches, you obviously have a heart for reaching unchurched people. Um, and, you know, you and are actually doing it, which is amazing. Um, can you, what kind of coaching or advice would you give the church leaders that are listening in that would say, hey, we would love our church to be better at reaching unchurched people? What are some of those kind of that low hanging fruit that you think actually most churches uh, could actually change to help them reach on more unchurched people in their community? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I think you have to have a message that's relevant uh, for the time that we're in. Number one, um, I, I, I don't, you know, we have all the lights and the stuff, and and all that is great, and I call that icing on the cake. Uh, but if you don't, if you don't have a true message and a true heart for lost people, um, I think a lot of churches are so inward focused that we're not outward focused. And it's like, okay, I don't like the color of the paint. The chair is not comfortable. The preacher preached too long. It's hot in here, you know, and we're so inward focused that many churches are dying because of that. And we have to be outward focused. Um, you know, that, that was the mission of Jesus. If we follow his life through the gospels, you know, he said, I've come, I'm the son of man and I've come to seek and save those who are lost. Like that, that was his mission statement, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's our mission. That's our mission. Yeah. So you got to create spaces and environments. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where lost people feel welcomed and not judged. And so if you walk into fuel church, 
you know, the music's going to be loud, right? Um, you're gonna, the lights are going to be low because we want mm-hmm. we don't want people to feel uncomfortable during a worship experience. The message is going to be relevant and applicable for today. They're not going to have to go get a degree and you know uh, from Bible college to figure it out, you know. So I think those are a few things. Um, I mean, I could talk a long time about (laughs) all the the little things, but I I just think, you know, when you have a heart for your community, uh, people will be drawn to it. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, every community is different, you know, and don't try to compare to another community. I think Mm -hmm. early on in ministry, I did that a lot, you know, the comparison trap and I was trying to find my voice and my identity. And, 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 and then when I, started pastoring. It was like, oh, if I do what this church does or that church, then my church will grow. And then once we hit that, okay, this is the greatest need in our community. It grew. It grew. exponentially. You know? Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I love that. Now, how are you thinking about, uh, because I think what this I'll say is a concern of mine as we're in this kind of opening phase, um, you know, a lot of our plans for opening because what we have to do with contact tracing and that kind of stuff in various parts of the country, they do kind of tend towards an insider church. They do, you know, it it seems to be like churches that if they don't really care about visitors, it's easier for them to open. (laughs) But Mm. if you're actually care about guests, it actually makes it more difficult to open. How are you guys wrestling with those issues kind of in this season? Even, you know, how is that impacting even some of your plans as you're thinking about reopening? Well, yeah, we've been in meetings about it for the last couple of weeks, but, uh, yeah. you know, you think about all the things, uh, from handing someone a connection card to handing them their guest gift to, uh, the communion elements that we normally partake of, you know, all those things to the coffee to, you know, and then you get into the kids spaces. I mean, it's just a whole array of things. Um, yeah. And it's, it's challenging. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know if I have the answer. Um, totally. Yeah. No, uh, it is very challenging for our staff and our teams right now. And it's so fluid. You know, this whole thing is fluid where as you know, someone on the East Coast, it, it's different than someone in Indiana versus Texas or wherever. So, um, yeah, we're just telling our team, hey, be patient and be flexible with us for these next couple months. Um, our first priority is safety. So there's going to be a lot of new protocols and safety procedures that we're putting in place to keep you, your family and our guests safe, you know? Yeah, that's very good. That's good stuff. I know we're definitely, this is the the year of the flex, right? We've all got to be flexible and, and kind of figure out where, you know, where we're going next. And so, um, yeah, I really appreciate that for sure. Well, this has been a great conversation. Anything else you'd love to share uh, with us today? It's been so good kind of getting a peek into what yeah. God's been doing at Fuel Church. Well, I appreciate uh, this time, Rich, and love your ministry and the podcast. Been a fan for a long time, <laughs> so it's an honor mm-hmm. to be on here. I just want to say this for the listener. Um, maybe you're in ministry, pastor, or serving in your church. Know this, that God loves our city more than we do. Mm-hmm. And God loves the lost more than we do. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you haven't been had a heart or haven't turned towards loving what God loves, I just encourage you. We have the greatest message on earth in, in the turbulent times of uncertainty and the unknown that we are in right now, we have the greatest message. We have the best news. There's a lot of news out there right now, but we have the best (laughs) news. We have the good news. And so 
we we need to cast that net of hope and grace and uh, into our communities. And more than ever, we need to be outward focused and find the greatest need in our community and just start meeting that need and watch what God will do with your life and your ministry. That's very good. Well, I appreciate you being on on the show today here, uh, Pastor Jacob. Appreciate you leaning in. Um, if people want to track with you or with the church, where should we send them? Where, where do we get them to connect yeah. with you? Thefieldchurch.com. The, Easy. Yeah, thefieldchurch.com. That's our website, Facebook, Instagram. Just type it in and you'll find us. Nice. Thanks so much, Jacob. Thank you, Rich. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>